Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 48th episode of 2022, and I hope everyone had a very happy Thanksgiving holiday. It's hard to believe that it will be December tomorrow. Uh, Before we kick off, I'd like to thank Nokia, the gold sponsor of Fiber for Breakfast. On Friday, the FCC adopted new rules prohibiting communications equipment deemed to pose an unacceptable risk to national security from being imported or for sale in the US. Specifically, this applies to equipment produced by Chinese suppliers such as Huawei and ZTE. These new rules implement the directive in the Secure Equipment Act of 2021, signed into law by President Biden last November. On Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, the FCC adopted an order creating an Affordability Connectivity Program, ACP Transparency Data Collection which requires all internet service providers to provide their service plans for ACP households, including speed, latency, and bundling characteristics. The intent is for the FCC to determine whether ACP is working as Congress has intended. The FCC needs to know who's participating in ACP and how they're using the benefit. You know, this past year, we had four fantastic regional fiber workshops. Most recently, our sold out event in Columbus, Ohio, These regional events will continue in 2023, and our first regional fiber workshop will be held in Raleigh, North Carolina on Tuesday, February 7th, and we hope that you're able to join us. I know, Mark, that'll be pretty convenient for you. Uh, This brings us today's Fiber for Breakfast session with Fiber Broadband Association's board member, Mark Boxer of OFS, and our good friend, WIA's Chief Operating Officer, Tim House, who will be discussing workforce development the clock is ticking. You know, last week on Fire for Breakfast, we had a great debate with Grant Jocelyn of the U.S. Telecom Equity Research at Credit Suisse on cable industry's latest efforts in a session titled Fiber Meet Doxus 4.0, Cable's Upgrade Path to 10 Gigabits. Today on Fire for Breakfast, we're going to be hearing from FBA's board member and workforce chair, Mark Boxer of OFS, and our good friend, WIA's COO, Tim House, who will be discussing workforce development. The clock is ticking. Mark is a long-serving member of the Fiber Broadband Association's Board of Directors and served as the chair for the FBA's Education Committee. He's also chaired the FBA's Technology Committee. In his day job, Mark is a technical manager, solutions and application engineering for OFS. In this role, he assists customers deploying fiber in a wide variety of network design scenarios and analyzes trends in telecommunications market that drives new product innovation. As the chair of FBA's Education Committee, Mark has led the development of FBA's industry-leading Optics Path Fiber Optic Technician Training Course. Tim House is the Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of the Wireless Infrastructure Association, WIA. He oversees the day-to-day operations of a 35-plus employee trade association and leads teams responsible for workforce development, meetings and events, and membership initiatives. WIA and FBA have formally announced an industry partnership focused on accelerating workforce development and apprenticeship programs 
to all 56 states and territories in an effort to fully support NTI's efforts to build out the nation's critical broadband infrastructure to all Americans. So with that, welcome Mark and Tim. And for audience, please type in your questions as we go for the Q&A at, at the end. With that, I'll turn things over to Tim, I guess. Thanks, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, looking forward to having this discussion about um, our accomplishments and what we will do together. Um, so I wanted to get started and, and certainly uh, Gary and Mark chime in here. Um, what we're seeing, and I don't think this is a surprise to anybody on this call, uh, and certainly is uh, not uh, particular to this uh, industry, to the broadband industry, but there is a skills gap and a workforce crunch, as, as we'll see over the next uh, several years, there will be increased funding uh, for broadband deployment. Um, in fact, up to 7x of current funding. Yet the workforce is projected to grow only 15% over that time. Something has got to give, as the slide says. And um, I think it, you know, it's, it, it underscores the importance of the partnership that we have together. So if I if I could chime in, you know, anecdotally, we hear from our members all the time that uh, you know that a, a trained workforce really is you know is very important. We hear in a lot of situations that um, you'll have um, you know people just basically uh, hop hopscotching from one company to another, and so they continue to go back and forth. But um, and that's that's great if you're in the industry and you're you're working as an installer, uh, then you're you're. Uh, your standard of living is continuing to rise, but ultimately, uh, you know, we have a smaller pool of, of people, uh, you know, and that, you know, happening at the exact same time as we have, you know, really historical levels of funding coming in. And the other thing is, if you think about it from a fiber optic standpoint, um, you know, fiber has been around and kicking for roughly around 40 years. So we're actually seeing a lot of people towards the end of their careers starting to um, starting to age out. So you know we really have an opportunity um, here to to help you know, train the next generation of workforce. Well put, um, and it underscores again the importance of training and education programs, uh, formal uh, career paths, and uh, workforce development initiatives. Uh, as part of BEAD, um, there is a workforce plan that's due within 270 days of release of planning funds, uh, which should include uh, sector-based partnerships. And you know, we there's a there's a model for that which we'll cover a little bit later, um, but it includes uh, engaging with education and training providers, the public workforce systems. Um, unions and other work organizations and employers, uh, registered apprenticeships, pre-apprenticeships, and wraparound services um, are mentioned as uh, preferences for part of that workforce plan. And the requirement includes equitable on-ramps into broadband related jobs, um, tapping into underrepresented populations, ensuring a diverse pool of workers and includes targeted outreach to those populations that have been um, underrepresented in broadband and IT. 
As I mentioned at the top, you know, I'm really excited about the partnership that uh, WIA and FBA forged, and I'm grateful for uh, Gary's and Mark's uh, leadership and, and Debbie Kish because it, it will help us to sort of join forces around all of the possible training and education and workforce solutions related to broadband. Um, so what we're going to do under the uh, registered apprenticeship program that WIA administers is collaborate on uh, curriculum, support training and certifications that map to apprenticeships and assess new and emerging occupations together. In addition, we'll be looking at what's called related technical instruction under existing occupations and collaborate on, on that so that there is a well-rounded set of uh, curriculum under each of these occupations that uh, enhances um, someone's training and formal uh, process through the workforce system. For those of you that aren't exactly um, aware of apprenticeship, which is I'm sure many of you on the, on the call, um, it's a time-tested, world-renowned proven system for workforce development. Um, I think what we hear from employers a lot is that there are concerns that it is a step towards um, some sort of government regulation or um, you know, it's uh, apprenticeship is only for the unions. And if I could simplify that and maybe address that concern, um, what, what we have found from the employers is that most of them actually have apprenticeship-like systems already in place. You have a mentor and a mentee, a journeyman and a green hand. Um, and apprenticeship is actually just a registered apprenticeship. It's just the formalization of those existing systems. Uh, there are tremendous benefits to formalizing that. Um, but in doing so, you have an industry-driven, high-quality career pathway that's well-articulated, where employers can develop and prepare their workforce, and individuals and employees can obtain paid work experience, get classroom instruction, and a portable, nationally-recognized credential extremely important as we look to build this workforce now and for the future. There are five core components of apprenticeship. First is that it is a paid job. It's employment. Apprentices are uh, paid and produce high quality work while they uh, learn skills that enhance their employer's needs. So earn while you learn. Structured on-the-job training. Uh, this means you're developing skills uh, through structured learning in a work setting. You're learning from somebody who's been there, who's, who's made the mistakes and can help guide you. Um, there is additional related technical uh, instruction, as I mentioned before, which improves the job-related skills through a classroom setting. There's mentorship. Uh, again, most of our organizations that we've engaged with have this system already in place, but it provides apprenticeships with support of a skilled worker to assist and enhance with this, on, uh, this hands-on learning. And then there's a national occupational credential, which offers that uh, uh, portable 
nationally recognized industry credential that we talked about, which is issued at the completion of the program. Next slide. Thank you. Um, tremendous benefits to uh, having a registered apprenticeship program. First, you're developing a skilled workforce. Second is it is, again, a time-tested, world-renowned system which reduces turnover and improves profitability. And your retention of workers, and there's been a, even an update to uh, this statistic, it's now 92% of apprentices continue employment after completing an apprenticeship. When we're talking with employers so often, the and Mark, again, I, I know you're engaging with this quite a bit, so weigh in, is one of the sneaky costs uh, that everybody face is, faces is this turnover. We got somebody trained up, uh, they went out and performed really well, and then they took a job with somebody else and went, went in another direction. Apprenticeship, um, again, this isn't something that you know we're trying to pitch. This, these are the, this is the data over uh, many, many years, is that it assists with retention. 92% of apprentices continue employment after doing their apprenticeship. Yeah, one, one additional benefit that's that's not included in this that we that we hear is you know, just having a skilled workforce can result in a much more resilient network. Yeah, you know, we are continually hearing stories from you know our members of just workmanship that kind of makes your head you know, makes you pull out your hair. And so you know ultimately we want to have uh, you know a, a workforce that really knows what they're doing and can install you know, resilient and, and proper networks. Yeah, back over to you, Tim. Thank you. And same page on that. Um, you know, same and, and certainly in our industry and with our good friends at PCCA, I know that they've experienced this as well which is that safety is paramount. Um, high quality work is paramount. And when you have systems in place that help to improve that, um, you know, you're, you're well on your way. I wanna talk a little bit about a program uh, that WIA administers, which is called the Telecommunications Industry Registered Apprenticeship Program, something that we invested in starting in, in 2014 and became the national sponsor of in 2017. We currently, it's a multi-employer program uh, that now has 79 employer sponsors enrolled. We have more than 3,500 registered apprentices and now uh, 15 occupations. Um, and we look to expand that and in particular with the input from the Fiber Broadband Association uh, and those of you on this call that can have input into the creation of additional occupations, better understanding the skills needed for existing occupations, uh, and uh, you know, looking forward to, I mean, it's the, one of the primary reasons we uh, partnered on this was to uh, be evangelists and advocates for this type of uh, formal workforce development. I'm not going to read through, but maybe I'll pull some highlights from the occupational uh, standards uh, currently developed under uh, TIRAP. I'll point out in-building wireless installation technician, broadband technician, overhead utility installer technician, uh, fiber optic technician, and underground utility installer technician. All of these occupations currently exist within the program. We have employers engaged um, 
and apprentices currently in those occupations? Yep, so I think from here, from here to, to me for a couple of slides. And so just wanted to give an update on the optic path course and certification. So um, yeah, we've been working on this for, uh, for a while, um, but not everybody on this webinar may be that familiar with it. So we just wanted to give uh, you know, a little introduction to it. Uh, so the goal really is to have a trusted, you know, nationally recognized entry level fiber credential. And if there is an organization that really is qualified to do that, then that this is the Fiber Broadband Association as we represent you know, literally hundreds of members throughout the entire fi fiber ecosystem of the U.S. And in many cases, you know, we, we represent you know, the inventors of the technology and the, the large deployers of technology. So you know, this um, is being offered through community colleges, vocational schools, and conjunction with the telecom service provider. Um, looking at you know different different models of getting this out into the you know into the industry as quickly as we can, but you know what really separates it out from some of the the training that's out there is it's very focused on you know uh, fiber related knowledge base and skill set, um, also um, to include values for fiber optic technicians. So when we talk about values, we're certainly talking about the concept of safety and documentation, customer service. Um, craftsmanship. I mean, things that are extremely important uh, to you know, our technicians today, really across um, you know, across both the wired and the wireless spectrum. So the, the content has been vetted by the Education Deployment Specialist Committees, and you know, it's designed to lead to a future internship, apprenticeship, or an employment. And then, you know, it is uh, approved through the U.S. Uh, Department of Labor and the apprenticeship. You know, we're working through. With, with Tim and his organization, WIA and TIRAP, really to, um, to help set the stage for apprenticeships. You know, so just you know, looking at, uh, at the course in a little bit more depth, um, again, what we're trying to do is it's roughly 40% knowledge, 60% skills with the, you know, the, the statement of values sprinkled in. And actually the values um, contribution was given to us by SNN, who is a fiber optic um, you know, installation contractor. And they highlighted to us, yeah, we, we really need to highlight the importance of you know of values and really setting good um, you know declaring good habits and work habits and and you know how do you really become an effective technician beyond just the technical stuff? But we go into you know we start at the very beginning with you know you know just applications and advantages of fiber you know some theory geometry and a lot of that is relatively dry but you really have to have that and then you know, certainly early on a focus on safety. And then from there, we start heading into uh, a lot of hands-on exercises where we do a lot of, you know, you know, we talk about cables and then do we do a lot of cable stripping. Um, you know, we do some architecture stuff, talk through, do a lot of splicing, um, and then <clears throat> also focus on a lot of repetition. Um, you know, you're focusing on your proper cable management, testing, uh, areas of installation, all really all the way through the network. And so um, it's 144 hours for Department of Labor apprenticeship tracks. Um, for those that uh, are not going to do an apprenticeship, it's roughly in the 110, 120 hour um, time frame. But want to highlight that we've got these courses now that are uh, beginning to pop up around the country. We successfully piloted earlier this year, and we're now seeing those begin to uh, to pop up in areas around the country. And the one thing that we're really looking for, if you're representing a service provider. Um, you, you are the target um, customer for this. And what we're looking to do is provide you with a credential that if you see that on somebody's resume, you know, some period of time from now, then you begin to trust 
um, that as a credential, because that's something that we have not heard to this point that is available, you know, that we really haven't heard that there is a trusted credential for an entry-level fiber optic technician, and we are trying looking to do that for our industry. So um, I think I'm going to go ahead and toss back over to Tim, as, uh, and then we'll, we'll begin to, to wind down. Terrific. I think one of the things pointed out in the uh, NOFO is that there is an encouragement of establishing uh, statewide sector partnerships for education and workforce development. Um, you know, we've, I think we're fortunate to have something like this in place. We have a sector partnership in the state of Ohio. Um, and if I could sort of describe the nature of that sector partnership, again, it, it engages education system, workforce system, government, and industry with uh, what WIA's role in this is to be an industry intermediary. Um, so uh, again, we, we invested in um, the creation of curriculum uh, many years ago. So we have a catalog of 40 or more courses. So we're able to establish this partnership and very quickly um, work with um, a uh, what we might call a hub or a, a central institution. Um, in Ohio, it's Ohio State University. Um, and so it, uh, the, the formal name of it is the Broadband and 5G Sector Partnership that we've established um, you know, through Ohio uh, Governor's Office of Workforce Trans Transformation. Um, we, together with Ohio State and industry, will be working on the expansion of a curriculum. We'll use some of what WIA has already created related to telecom. We'll engage with our, our uh, friends at PCCA and, and certainly um, through this formal partnership and even informally work with FBA and others. Uh, to make sure that we have world-class curriculum that prepares people for careers in broadband industry. So we're excited about, about that. And I think that experience um, uniquely qualifies this partnership to assist in the planning, um, uh, the, in workforce planning as states are considering uh, their proposals under BEAM. So Tim, I think I'll go ahead and, and grab this one. So, you know, just the way that wireless and wired networks, you know, ha have continued to be complementary, um, you know, I think we see that on the, the workforce development side as well. And so we're looking for these two organizations really to become a joint clearinghouse, really for telecom training um, for fiber and wireless. And so what we wanted to do, um, you know, there are a lot of different models that can be done from the employer level out to the statewide level. And we are in, interested in, in engaging really with, with all of the above. I mean, we've got a, we really want to get trained people out into the workforce as quickly as we possibly can um, to meet all the demand that's out there. So, you know, really would like to encourage you to, if you'd like to learn more, you know, please contact, um, you know, FBA. Uh, that's through Deborah Kish, who's our VP of uh, Workforce and, and Research, and then Tim at WIA. And Tim, I don't know if you have any other things that you'd like to, to highlight, but um, wanted to go ahead and mention that. No, I, I think, you know, again, I, I would just reiterate that I think the, the partnership strengthens 
um, you know, our ability to respond in a way that NTIA has described and to assist with workforce planning. Um, you know, ultimately, I think in, that we're going to uh, solve this skills gap and this ongoing crunch if we're able to get curriculum uh, widespread. So you start at these four-year institutions, uh, potentially. Um, you could start at career and technical centers. You could start at two-year institutions. But uh, getting curriculum and inspiring uh, youth, starting in middle school and high school, I think is going to be critical. Um, it, Mark, I think you said it uh, earlier. It's you know the, the recognition of what is available, what career paths are available, um, isn't widely known. And um, we hope to work on those things together. We think that BEAD is a once in a lifetime opportunity to do this. And, um, you know, with the requirement of the workforce plan, you know, I, again, I think we're uniquely qualified as a, as a group, as a team um, to assist. We have a lot of really good questions. Let's try to slide some of these in before we run out of time. But um, so one came in that basically said an RP that they issued, one of the responses came from the Communications Workers of America, which noted that tens of thousands of telecom broadband workers, especially technicians, have been idled by carriers. Um, in consideration, can you comment on whether you think there's really a workforce available issue or is there a workforce participation issue? I can I can take that and all that I can tell you is that and you know I I am very fond of my good friends at uh, CWA. Um, the what we hear from employers on and on and on is that they cannot find enough uh, skilled workers to meet the demand. We have some employers, um, you know, within our industry, and it's it's not just related to wireless. It's throughout telecom. Um, they tell me they need 2,000 workers yesterday. Um, that's a very real issue. And so, you know, I, I think we, we look to engage um, qualified individuals wherever they are. And so I think, um, I mean, I, I, I agree with you, Tim, as, um, I mean, as Mark said, we have an um, aging out issue. A lot of people leaving the industry. We also have young people who don't know about industry that we really need to get um, fresh people in. So, and then also, you know, from a union perspective, what about 11% of broadband is um, union and the, you know, the other 89%. So, um, you know, so I think that that comment was probably more reflection on um, the changes in deployment between AT&T and Verizon, not really reflective of the market. Is that what you guys agree with that? Yeah, I, mean, I I I continually hear um, from both employers and contractors. Um, you know, we we just have we have trouble finding people, and then we have trouble keeping people. So um, uh, so you know, we and it sounds to me like it is there's just a potentially a locational or geographic disconnect. If there are you know if there are massive numbers of people available, um, then you know, then actually. We got to figure out how to get them get those dots connected, um, but we haven't really we haven't really been hearing that on the ground. So another question is, where do the employment opportunities break down? Is it mostly um, hands-on installers, or is there a need for team leads or support engineers? Where should um, 
you know, we should be focusing, you know, training up. So I'll, I'll tell you that our, at least our focus right now um, uh, from a starting standpoint is for outside entry level outside plant technicians. That's where we have heard the most acute um, needs, but we know that there are adjacent skills that are needed everywhere. I mean, we hear of shortages of people who uh, uh, really are people who can climb. We hear of shortages of people uh, who are skilled, um, you know, in directional drilling and and boring and trenching and those those types as well. So we know that there are complementary skills outside of what we're teaching that are are needed as well. All right, and then kind of the last last question is, um, what do states and what does everybody need to do right now? I mean, we have, as, as Tim started off with saying, is the, you know, by next July is going to be the allocation of funding. And so then we have to have their workforce development plans in place. So when when should states be ramping up their workforce development efforts and who should they be working with? Yeah, so I'll start that one, then then toss it over to Tim. And I would say, I'd say now, you know, absolutely, time is now. You know, one of the things that we are we are trying to figure out, and we are in the process of putting together a workforce development playbook. But um, you know, one of one of the issues that we've seen is that we've got the spigot of money that's coming out, um, but the, uh, and that's to build networks. We don't have that same spigot of money for training, and so we're trying to figure out the pathways to enable um, you know some of that money to be. Uh, be allocated a little bit earlier so we can begin training our workforce before we actually need them to be on site. I think that's a very important item and I'll toss over to Tim. No, I think you're right. You you nailed it. And I think that's you know the purpose of the webinar. The clock is ticking. The time is now. I think we begin the planning. I think there are some models out there. NTIA would point out that there are models out there like Ohio that, that are working. Um, start to establish your sector partnerships, um, engage in, with uh, apprenticeships and uh, intermediaries. And, um, you know, again, I, I think there's no better uh, group um, to engage with on these things. I think we are so uniquely qualified, given the level of investment that has been, has been made in curriculum development and the establishment of registered apprenticeship. And now what is a mature program? Collectively, our group right here on this call uh, can can really assist. Well, Mark and Tim, I really appreciate all your efforts to help drive our workforce development initiatives across our nation. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining and look forward to getting back together next Wednesday. We're actually going to have NTI here next Wednesday that's going to be talking about NTI's Internet for All initiative and a workforce to connect America with our really good friend, NTI Special Policy Advisor, Lucy Moore who's going to discuss the recently released NTI workforce planning guide for the states and territories used when planning high-speed internet deployment projects. So you're not going to want to miss that, and we'll see everybody again next Wednesday. Thanks, everyone.